This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 29, and we're at that pivot point in Jacob's life. The situation has developed such that he is in the position where he is about to be snookered. He has snookered his brother. He's about to be put in the position, and he's about to have his emotions and his youth and immaturity used against him. And that's exactly what he did with his brother. But it's important that that he is, he's doing, he's having done to him exactly what he did to them. And so it's a situation that is, is difficult. It's a situation, I think, that gives you a little bit of, as far as his life and who he is, you have a little bit of affinity for him. You You want him to, you want him to have this. You want him to, for this to work out for him. And it is going to work out for him. It's just going to have to work out in such a way that he grows up and that he realizes who he is and what's going on as far as his life is concerned. And he's going to learn that. It says in verse 18, now Jacob loved Rachel. Now you see right there, there's love in the air and uh, he is uh, he's emotionally attached. He's emotionally in the middle of this. And let me say this about emotions. Many times we, when we talk about emotions, we talk about them negatively. And I would like to say to you this morning that God gave us emotions because he has them. He has emotions. He is a God of emotions. Now, he always uses his emotions exactly the right way. Perfection. perfection. He, his love is complete and his love is able to do all things for us. Also, his anger and wrath is very pointed and very purposeful. And it's always rightly placed in the situation that he is angry about. He, uh, We see Jesus weeping. We see Jesus laughing. We see Jesus with great joy. We see Jesus with great excitement as, a, as the God man here on the earth. The father has all those things also. All those emotions, they are wonderful. Emotions are, more, emotions really, if you want to know the truth, Emotions are what make life good. It really is. It's what makes life wonderful. Now, that being said, our emotions are not necessarily right. In fact, sometimes they lie to us. Sometimes I can tell you a story one way and you'll be on one side. And then if I come in and told you the exact same story, but I couched it on the other side, your emotions will always go in the way that the story is being told. And so oftentimes we are led astray by our emotions because our emotions don't take in all the information. And so emotions are not bad. Emotions oftentimes tell us important things. If I'm angry about something somebody does, you, usually that's telling me that I, I, I'm right to be against injustice or being treated poorly. I'm right to be that way. And anger is right toward that. But now I need to make sure that's exactly what happened. Sometimes we'll be told things 
that happened and that's not what happened and we were angry about it but then the truth is that the reason we were angry is because we were lied to and so your emotions get lied to and your emotions lie your emotions tell you things that are not true and our emotions are really good and they're what life is all about but we have to temper them and make sure as far as our soul is concerned and our soul is our heart and our mind, our emotion and our intellect, we've got to marry them up. We've got to always marry our intellect, intellect up with our emotions, and we've got to always allow our emotions to inform our intellect, and they will inform our intellect. Our emotions tell us the gravity and the severity of a situation, whereas our intellect might not it as much, and that's why it's important that you be a whole person, be a whole person in thought and feelings. And those who are not whole in thought and feelings oftentimes miss out on what's really going on in the world and have difficulty actually making a difference in the world or even interacting with the world. Somebody who's just a big giant ball of emotions, usually they have a very difficult time in the world because the world will hurt their feelings really bad. Those who are all intellect and no emotion, oftentimes they don't see the world from the proper perspective. They really have no perspective at all. Jacob loved Rachel. Why did he love her? He loved her for, at first sight. And you can say, that's not real love. I, I don't know. It could very well be. Lots of great love stories have been love at first sight. And a lot, a lot of great life stories are love at first sight. And we love what we love. And we want what we want. And he saw Rachel coming with that of sheep, leading that herd of sheep, and he fell in love with her that day. And he wanted her to be his wife. There is absolutely nothing about that. In fact, a husband ought to want to desire his wife. And that's how it works. That's what makes, love makes the world go round. This is the kind of stuff that makes the world go round. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That's what makes the world go round. It's, it's love. And so he said, I will serve for seven years for Rachel your younger daughter. And remember, Laban's already asked him, I don't want you to, I don't want you to work for me for free. What can we do? What, what can we do? And, it, and we saw that in verse 17, where he said, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And when he was asked, what is it you want from me to stay here and work and labor and uh, serve me? When Laban asked that of Jacob, Jacob said, I want Rachel. I want Rachel. I want her to be my wife. And so Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. What he's saying is, I receive you. I accept you. I like, I, I think that's a good plan. I think that's a plan that I can live by. He says, great, you stay here. And why should I give her to anybody else? I can't think of a better man to be married to my daughter than you. And so he did. That's what. That's how it worked. What a, seems like perfect. Seems like paradise. Harmony in paradise right here. And so Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Notice it says he served seven years for Rachel. For Rachel, he served seven years. <laughs> and for him, they only seemed like a few days because why? He was there working and Rachel was there and Rachel was betrothed to be to Rachel. And they were, it was that dating, honeymoon, love phase of his life. And it seemed like it just was it was just a moment and it was years and it really works that way sometimes it really does it works that way i know it does and so he says so jacob served seven years for rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her and i can't think of a better love story 
in the Bible in, in just a few verses than 18 through 20 of Genesis chapter 20. It's a true love story. They loved each other and Jacob cared immensely about Rachel and was willing to give what it took to be her husband. And I, I think you need to see that. He didn't trick his way through it. He tried to figure out some, some angle in this situation. What did he do? He did what it took to be her husband. It did, he did what it took to have her as a wife. And wow, that's the way it should be, isn't it? That's the way it should be. He was willing to do what it takes. And I'm going to tell you this, that's part of being, that's part of being a husband is you're willing to do what it takes. So many times we go into this thing, let's see, just see how it works out. It's not how marriage works and that's not how husband and wife work now. I'm not saying that it's always going to work perfectly and I'm not saying that it's always going to be roses and butterflies, but in fact, most of the time it's going to be struggling because you're going to be struggling together and, and your frustrations you take out on each other, even though uh, you're they're the ones you can trust the most. It's not an easy relationship. It is not, but it is wonderfully done when we're sold out, when we decide we're going to burn the boats and uh, give it all that it takes, no escape, no getting away, just you and me together trying to figure this thing out. When we do that, we do it and we do it well. There's, there's great reward at the end for it. We grow and we become who we're supposed to be in those situations. It says, then Jacob said to Laban after seven years, he's ready to get married. Give me my wife. I like that. Give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Well, do I need to really comment on that? I don't think so. I think he's ready to go. And she is too. It doesn't mention her thoughts on the matter. I'm sure, I'm sure she is too. He's ready to be married. And who can stop him? And who should stop him? Nobody. And so it said, and Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. They're having a wedding feast. Perfect scenario. It's working out. It's working out. And so it, now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave him he gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. This is important. He tricked him. Now, there's lots of jokes that can be told about this also. It's not funny, but it is a trick, and it's a trick based probably on inebriation, if you want to know the truth. And how many jokes throughout history are there about that? And he got tricked. He got tricked and the trickster got one turned on him. And the the master became the student. And that's what's happened here. He's put himself in a position where his life has been a lie up until this point. And finally, he decides to do something the right way. And he does it the right way. And his future father-in-law tricks him. He sends in Leah, and Leah and him, they have relations, so they're married. And when he got to the morning time, and the only explanation I can come up with, I'm sure there are others, I'm sure we could come up with some cultural explanation for this. But the truth is, I think if I, I was around a woman for seven years, and she came in, I'd know who she was, unless my senses were impaired to a great degree. And let me tell you, these feasts did involve alcohol. They did. And uh, every wedding feast in the Bible did, including the wine Jesus made, by the way. I know we have some brethren who want to say that he made grape juice. That story doesn't work out that way, and it can't work out that way. He didn't make stronger grape juice than they had at the start, and everybody was so excited about how strong it was and how 
sweet and sugary it was. That's not what it, they were talking about, it being strong and being the best. Jesus made the best wine because it was actually wine with alcohol in it. And it probably was the best wine anybody had ever had because the Son of God made it. But that being said, this wedding involved alcohol, and I'm quite sure Jacob is excited and he's allowed his emotions to get in the way of his his wits and he has drank too much and he wakes up the next morning and he's married the wrong woman. What a Las Vegas story if there ever was one. So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah and he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? What Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? <laughs> what a great question at the end. Why have you deceived me? He deceived you because you're a deceiver and it's coming back on top of you and you're lying and you're cheating is your lying and cheating days have come to face to face with you. You've, you're in a position now where you've had the tables turned on you. And Laban said to him, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. What he's saying is you can't marry off the younger one without marrying the firstborn first. And uh, he's basically asked, acting, I thought you understood this. You're going to have to have, have one and then you get the other. But you got to have the first one first. What a great lie and what a great deception. Not that it's great. It's just for Jacob. And he's going to have to now labor. And whenever you labor for love, it seems like it's not labor. But now that he labors in bitterness, it's going to be work. It's going to be real work. And it's going to be work that's born of And he's been cheated and he's feeling it. He says, he says, fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Notice what he's saying. You have your wedding week with my first daughter and then you can serve me another seven years and you can get my second one. Man, that's just a real, that's just a real kick. Now that we're in the holiday season, we're Fast headed toward Thanksgiving and Christmas. One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And this reminds me of Clark standing there at the grog bowl, the, the punch bowl, drinking punch after he got the uh, notice that his Christmas bonus is the jelly of the month club rather than a bonus where he can build the pool. And he, he pitches a fit right here. He pitches a fit, and it's just a real big kick in the teeth, he calls it. I think that's the case for, I think it really is the case for Jacob. Laban has kicked him in the teeth, and and he says, listen, you, you spend time with Leah, she's your wife, and after that's over, you can work another seven years, and you can have my daughter Rachel, and you can have both of them. I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. And this kind of bothers him because is he going to trick me again? Is there something else going to happen seven years from now? It makes you really question things. It makes you really question things. The truth is he's going to be tested for his love. He's going to be the, who he's being tested here. And he's going to, he's going to love Rachel enough to not work seven years for, but for 14 years. And I think that's a testament to who he is and who his bride is going to be. And I, th I think it's really important to see that he, He's having to grow up here. He's having to figure out what's important in life. And he's having to figure out why when he does things the wrong way, it causes the wrong results. And I think this is a growth for him. This is a time of growth and a time of understanding and a time of life for him. And so Jacob is sitting there going, I guess I'll have to do it because I love Rachel. I've got Leah. Now I'm going to have Rachel. He's going to marry her sister, but it's going to take him seven more years. Now, you got to also realize that Laban's figured some things out. Jacob is a blessed man. 
And Jacob is also apparently a hard worker. And there's nothing in scripture that indicates otherwise for him. His issue is not that he's not a focused individual. The issue is not that he's not walking in the blessings of God. Quite clearly, he has all those things. He's got one issue and one issue alone. And that issue is that he tends to deceive to get his way rather than to serve to get his way. And God is teaching him that service is better than deception. God is teaching him that his will is better than Jacob's methods for getting his way without actually achieving what he should. Look, Esau, his brother, was always a flawed character, and he was always a flawed man. And eventually, those flaws were going to bring up what happened in Esau's life. They were always going to bring those things about. And Jacob was a man of purpose, and Jacob was a man of promise. He was the person that God wanted him to be as far as who God had planned for him to be. He was becoming those things, but he didn't have to cheat his brother out of it. it there was no need to do that. God was always, he was always the one. The Bible says in the New Testament, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Why? There's a reason for it. It's because Esau didn't chase after God. Esau ch chased after his own flesh. Jacob chased after God, just he wanted to take the easy way. And in the kingdom and in spiritual things, there is no easy route. I can't say this enough. There's not an easy route to it. I know we live in a culture that wants to make everything easy on everybody. We want people not have to labor too hard. We want people not to have to put it, be put in a position that's difficult and something to struggle through. We want to take care of everybody and everybody be okay and we all be safe and everything work out. Well, it doesn't. If you watch the nightly news in the midst of the media trying to tell you how everything's safe and everything's going to be okay, in the background, things are burning to the ground. Nothing is safe and nothing is okay. And only in the hands of God are we ever in the right place. And so as you want things to be easy and to be and to work out as an even easy path it's not going to be that way you're going to have to struggle to figure out spiritual things and you're going to have to struggle with your walk you're going to have to take up your cross and follow Jesus you're going to have to do the difficult things and let me say this when you get to the end of those things you don't ever look back and say Man, I hated, I, I was so horrible. What you look back and say is God was in the middle of it and he was doing his very best in my life. And you ultimately end up saying to yourself, "This is, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Even though in the midst of it, you would have tried to figure out every other way to do it. When you get to the end of it, you realize this was absolutely the right path. And it was absolutely the right way for me. And ultimately, God worked his purposes out for my life and I figured it out. And when you do that, when you figure it out that way, when you get your mind and your heart in the right place and you, you get things going the right direction, when you get it done, figured it out, you, you get to the end and you say, God was always there with me and God was making me and refining me and hardening me toward his will and his way. And I wouldn't have done it any other way. I know that's going to be the case for you. And I expect it because God's always in the business of molding and making his children. And you're one of them. And so he's going to be molding and making you. And I pray that you'll not resist, but I pray that you'll give in fully to his will and his way. And you'll allow those difficult times to come. And you will attack them with the greatest power and gift God's given you. You will attack them with faith. And you'll overcome and you'll be blessed and more than you could ever imagine. 
I not only expect that, I know it's going to happen for you. I just pray for you as you go through it. You'll walk in it in power and strength. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.